You're listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville and Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. Those of you that may not recognize the difference, I am not Pastor Mark. <laughs> My name is Eric. I'm an elder here at Southview. Uh, and I thank God for the opportunity to talk to you today to address the people of God. Because there is a word in due season. There is a word that the body needs today that is very needed as we see the workings of society, the workings of this world, the workings of the enemy. Uh, Anybody know that there is a anti-venom? There is a way that we can continue to prosper, continue to move, continue to endure, continue to move in the things of God in spite of what we may see around us. Glory to God. There was a traveling salesman that was called into his boss's office one day. And his boss said, you know what? You've been doing so well. You've been doing so good with your sales. You've been excelling in in every area. You know what? If you can land this last account at this small pet shop, there's a promotion waiting for you. And the man was like, oh, man, there's a promotion. Okay, that sounds good. A new position, some more money, some greater resources. That sounds good for not only me, but also for my family. I'll do it. So he got on the road. He went to this pet shop. And as soon as he walked in the door, there was a talking parakeet that flew over to him and said, get to stepping. We don't want any. So the man was like, what in the world? That that was strange. So he went in to talk to the shop owner. And the shop owner said, you know what? Let me think about it. Come back next week and we'll talk. He said, all right. So he came back the next week. That same parakeet flew flew over to him and said, get to stepping. We don't want any. So the man was like, man, I don't know how. Two weeks in a row. How is this happening two weeks in a row? Went to talk to the shop owner. Shop owner said, you know what, I'm still, I'm still thinking about it. I'm still, let me just give me a little more time, come back next week. The man came back next week. The same thing happened. And the guy talked to the, to the shop owner and said, you know what, your parakeet is talking crazy to me. As soon as I walk in the door, can you do something about that? He said, okay, I'll do that. The next week, the man comes back. The parakeet flies over. And he said, you know, you know, you know what I said. How many know that when there is a reward waiting for you, when there is a breakthrough about to happen, when God is about to do something, there's always going to be a voice that tells you it's not going to happen. There's always going to be a voice that says, you know what, go a different direction, go a different way, give up, it's not going to work for you. But how many know that you have to endure anyway? You have to keep on going. You have to keep on pushing. Good. I'm glad you know that. I'm glad you know that. Over the last four weeks, we've been going deeper into the letter of James to gain insight into strengthening not only our walk, but also our, not only our talk, but our walk with Jesus. In week one, we got the cheat sheet. Remember the cheat sheet or the the crib notes on how we can count it all joy when we fall into 
tests and trials. It, it may not feel good in the moment, but we can still count it all joy. We can still, we still have a reserve to pull from when we feel like there's nothing left in the tank. God has given us the ability to pull from that joy that he's placed on the inside of us. Week two, we talked about fraudulent faith and how crucial it is for us to not only say what we do, but also do what we say. Because how many know that faith without works are only dead declarations? They're empty words. They are just babblings without action. Week three, we learned about what it's like to use wisdom words. Now, words can create a framework for our lives. Life and death is in the power of the tongue, the scripture tells us, and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. Let me ask a question. What kind of fruit is proceeding out of your mouth? What are you eating and what are you producing? Week four, we saw passionate people. Passionate people, we, we know that their passion can be used for good or evil. We know that passion can be used for either unity or division. Like when we have to make a decision between things like Apple and Android, right? Oh, you see, okay, we're getting started already. Okay, good, all right. We gotta make a decision between Target, I made that mistake in the first service, but Target and Walmart. You don't call it Target, you call it Target, right? Is that, yeah. Target and Walmart, which one is better? Or how about this one? We have to make a decision between In-N-Out and Whataburger. See, look, look, look at the passion. Look, look at the passion. Look at the passion. See this? Okay, all right. See, see, those of you that say, I'm not passionate, I'm passionate. Look what happened there. Okay, good. <laughs> And in the same week, week four, we saw how passionate some of y'all, we saw how passionate Papa Andy was when he was called upon to find out who Eleanor's husband's, Eleanor's husband's wife's, what, who that was. <laughs> and he dug deep into that hard job. I mean, he dug deep in there. But he brought out that name. What's his name? Matt. See, he still has it. Look at that. He's so passionate that he, he held that name right on the tip of his hard drive right there right there amen now we come to chapter five the last chapter which at first glance when you read it it seems as though there are three disjointed subjects held within this chapter but as we read and we, we we're about to discover that they're not disjointed but they're really unifying and they have a unifying message and it, it is it is to endure while there is still work to be done. To continue to stand in the midst of adversity. To continue to hold on. Because we know that, that change is not just going to come for our lives, but there's going to be change in somebody else's life based on what God is doing on the inside of us. Somebody is waiting for your testimony. Somebody's waiting to see that you get to the other side and they're, they're ready to ask you, how did you do it? Glad you asked. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you who, is, who brought me through. Let me tell you who did this for me. Let me tell you how he brought me through. And let me tell you more importantly how he can bring you through. Yes. 
today we're going to find out from James how we can endure economic injustice, times of impatience, and how to remain in prayer for others. So let me ask this question. How many people listen to music? How many people listen to music? Yeah, yeah, everybody, everybody, all the hands go up, all the hands go up. So it's been proven that music has an effect on your brain chemistry. When we are working, when we are studying, when we are cleaning the house, working on the car, commuting to and from work, all these things seem laborious as we start. But if we put on some music, if, if, there, if there's a melody playing in the, in the background, isn't it interesting how what seems so laborious, what seems so, the mountain seems so big, the task seems so daunting, but when that music comes on, something starts to happen. Your, your foot starts to tap a little bit and your, your head starts to move a little bit. So as you're, you're, you're still working, but the music is taking an effect on how you work, yeah, how hard you work, when you work. Yeah. And we're gonna talk about that today. So the work is not just focused on how much work there is, but, but the work can be done now. The task can be accomplished now that we have something, something pushing us, something, something that, we're, something that we're, 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 we can focus on aside from what is ahead. Philip Kesko and Frank Churchill wrote a song that, a little song, I don't know if you, you, might, you might be familiar with it, and it was featured in a, a little movie by, a, by a, a little company that I don't know if everybody would, would know about it, but they, that, this song embodied the concept of how music combined with teamwork can create a more enjoyable work environment. Work doesn't seem like work when this happens, when you utilize the music. So what, the if you wanna put a title on this, I wanna, I wanna let you uh, have a chance to write this down. The title of this message is Whistle While You Work. <laughs> anybody know, anybody familiar, anybody? No, yeah, yeah, oh, oh, all right, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Whistle While You Work. So we're going we're gonna to read James chapter 5, James chapter 5. It says, come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and, you, and will eat your flesh like fire. James goes right in. James doesn't hold back. James just comes for the rich right away. Your gold and your silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You, you have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence and have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person and he does not resist you. 
That don't sound like, that don't sound good to me. I don't know about you. But he says, in light of this, be patient, verse 7, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. And he says, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Excuse me. If anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is, as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again. And heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for this, these precious moments that you have provided. God, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to discern what your spirit is speaking to us in this season, in this time, God, in this kairos, Lord. We ask you, Father, to rain down upon us, Lord. Let us be good ground where you sow your word and that, Father, it spring up into a tree of everlasting life, not just for us, but for others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So James is a person that we can, over the last few, week, few weeks, we can be confident in knowing that he's not a man that minces words. He's not a man that holds back. He's a man that will give it to you fully organic with no sugar added. I mean, if you just need, if you need a heart check, if you need a motive check, if you're wondering if your faith is in the right place, you can go to the book of James and say, whoa, hey, wait, I need to make some changes because I'm not on the right path. All right. I'm, I'm glad y'all are honest because that's what I've been going through. I've been getting stuck and hit and punched and kicked. And I'm just like, man, I just, okay. All right. I know where I need to work. I know. I know. Okay. 
Amen, amen. So, out the gate, James comes for the rich. Understand that he's coming for the rich not because they are rich, but because of what they're doing with their riches. It's because of what they're doing with their resources or what they're not doing with their resources that he's coming for them. And he's not holding back. In, in, the, first, in the first verses, we... First verse, we see that he says, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. He's speaking prophetically here because now he's saying, you know what? You think you're living good right now, but look, there's something that is coming upon you that you do not want. There is smoke waiting for you, and you do not want it because it's going to be an everlasting smoke. It's, gonna, it's not going to stop, and it's going to be a bad situation if you don't get it right. He says, come now. You're going to weep and howl because of the miseries that are coming upon you. He says, your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. In those times, there was no refrigeration. So what, what are you talking about here? Your riches have rotted. You have an abundance of meat. You have an abundance of grain. You have a, an abundance of food that's just in a storehouse just rotting away when people are in the street starving. Why? Because the blessing stopped with you. The resources stop with you. You become a cesspool of resources. You become a sewer full of money. I'm, I'm from New York, and I know that when those sewers get backed up, there were manholes in the street. And when the sewers got backed up, you can smell what was going on in other people's houses. Because of what's going on in the manhole. I mean, you can, you can smell. But now, now James is saying, you know, we can see what you've been doing. Because your, your, clothes, your clothes are moth-eating. You have so many different garments. You have so many different outfits. Your drip is so vast that it's now become moth food. When somebody else is out there in rags. Somebody else just has one outfit to wear every single day. They're just getting by. But you have so much that it's become moth food. He says, your gold and your silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. Your money is speaking out against you. All this money you have, you have hoarded is now begun to rust and corrode. And your money is saying, why? Why have I stopped here? Why do I keep looking at your face every day? Why? When there's people crying out in the street, there are people trying to provide for their family. But yet, and still, I'm still in this closet. I'm still in this wallet. I'm still in this bank. Not doing anything because you decided to keep it all for yourself. Verse 4 says, Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. James here draws a parallel here between Cain and Abel. We know what happened with Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel. And in Genesis chapter 4, verse 10, it says, And the Lord said, What have you done? 
The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. The same thing happened in James' day. The same, James says, you know what? Because you rich, because of what you've done, you've, you've held back your wages. You've held back what you were supposed to pay. You've, you, and if you didn't hold it back, you didn't pay them enough to survive. And in those days, if you did that, you could be tried for murder. Because you stopped a man from eating. And you stopped that man from eating and you stopped that man from providing for his family. So you killed him and his family. Now you're up for capital murder. Because you decided to allow the blessing to stop with you. So rich, so the, so the people that were rich, they're just looking around like, man, I, oh, I, I wasn't expecting this. I was looking for something to tickle my ears. I was looking for a message that would make me feel good and, and all bubbly inside. But James is saying, no, heart check time, motive check time, bank account check time, resource check time. What are you doing? How are you influencing others? So now, what does James say? In light of this economic injustice, what, is, what does he do? What, what is the answer to this situation? He says in verse 7, be patient, therefore, brothers. But did you, James, do you see what's happening? Do you, do you understand? I can't eat. I don't have one, I have one outfit. I have one shirt. I have one pair of pants. I have, you know, my shoes. I mean, my shoes are talking because the front is opening and flopping around. Do you see this, James? And you want to tell me to be patient? How in the world am I supposed to be patient in this situation? Yeah. James says, okay, let me answer that for you. Be patient, therefore, brothers, my brethren, people that are common to the household of faith. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. And let me tell you about the farmer. Let me tell you about the farmer. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Let me tell you about the early and the late rains. Early November, I mean late October and early November, the, late, the early rains came to soften the ground for plowing and planting. So there was work to be done. The farmer waited for those rains so that the earth can be prepared for the seed that he was about to plant, that he would have to wait for the harvest. But the ground had to be prepared first. It was rocky and hard, but now it had to be prepared so that the, the, it, can receive, it can receive the plant so that the plant can grow, the seed can grow into the harvest that he was waiting for. The late rain was from April to early May, and what it did, it helped, it helped to mature the crops before the final harvest. You couldn't pull them too soon, or they wouldn't be ready. You can't give up because you're not ready. You can't give in because the crop is not ready. You have to keep on working in the in-between. There could be six months in between the early and the late rains, but you still have to wait. You still have to be patient. You still have to say, you know what? I'm going to hold on because the harvest is coming. The harvest is on the way. The reward is right there. If I give up now, I'm not going to be able to see it. Yes. 
He says, strengthen your hearts. Establish your hearts because the coming of the Lord is near. We have to shore up our spiritual strength as there's going to be trials and tribulations and things we have to endure as we wait on the return of the Lord. We have to keep our eyes on the prize. We have to realize that we not only have a hope, we not only have a hope, but we have the hope. And not only that, we have the hope, we have a living hope. The subject of our faith is alive. The object of our faith is risen. We have to understand that we don't, we don't have a hope that we can say, you know what? Oh, maybe it will happen or it could happen or it, it might happen. No, it will happen. He rose from the grave. He moved the stone away. Because we have a living hope, we can continue to move. We can continue to endure. So James draws a parallel here between us and the farmer. The farmer waits depending on things out of his own power. We can't control stuff. Analytical people, you can't control stuff. We have to depend on God. There's nothing wrong with being analytical. There's nothing wrong with trying to figure stuff out. But this is a faith walk. We got to trust in someone else. He waits despite challenging circumstances and uncertainties. But let's look at how he whistles while he waits. He waits encouraged by the value of the harvest. He knows what's coming. He's experienced what's coming. He's seen what's coming. So now he can wait. He can whistle while he waits. He can whistle while he works in the in-between. He can say, you know what? I can keep on working because I know what's waiting for me. He was encouraged by the work and the harvest of others. My wife and I have a, a saying that when we see somebody being blessed, when we see somebody getting a promotion, when we see somebody getting a breakthrough, when we see God moving in a way for, with, with other people, we say, you know what? The line just got shorter. We rejoice with people. We, 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 we celebrate with people. We, we, we encourage people when, while they're waiting because we know the line is getting shorter. What we're believing for is that much closer. So keep standing. Keep whistling while you work. I know it's hard. I know it's tough. I know it doesn't feel good sometimes. But God has given us the ability to stand with one another as the body of believers, as the community of faith, and say, you know what? I see what God is doing in your life, and I'm encouraged by that. I may be in a hard place, but I know it's not going to be always. My change is going to come. I may be going up the rough side of the mountain right now, but that's not always going to be. It doesn't feel good right now, but that's not always what it's going to be because joy comes in the morning. My faith is in a living hope. My faith is in the living God. He waits because it does no good to give up. 
I'm right there by the finish line. I can see the victory right now. And if I give up, I'm going to give the devil reason to say, see, God, I knew he was going to give up. But no, I'm not going to give the devil an inch in my life. Because I know as I reach that finish line, I'm bringing my family with me. I'm bringing my friends with me. I'm bringing my community with me. It's not just about me. So I whistle while I work because I know what God can do, not just in my life, but in the lives of all those that are listening, all those that are watching, all those that are on the brink of giving up. If they could see somebody that endures, maybe, just maybe, that will give them the strength to keep on going. He waits with the hope and an expectation of reward. He continues to wait. He continues to work. He continues to strive because he knows that reward is waiting. We whistle while we work and we endure in prayer. We endure in prayer. Sometimes people can be tough. Sometimes people can be rough. Sometimes situations look like, man, I don't know how this is going to change. I don't know how this person is going to make it. I don't know how they're going to get out. But you know what? We're going to keep on going. We're going to keep on believing. We're not going to give in. We're not going to throw in the towel. We can't, we can't do it because we're closer, than, we're closer than you think. You are closer. I don't know who this is for, but you are closer than you think. Don't give up. People are depending on you. They're waiting on you to, fit, to cross that finish line. They're waiting on you for that breakthrough from the Lord. They're waiting on you to see your change come. We endure in prayer. Mm. Let's look at verse 13. It says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. We got to get around some cheerful people. We got to get around some people that, that are able to whistle while they work. We got to get around some people that are that not, not just like, oh, it's another Monday. Oh, I got to go to work. And oh, I got to deal with traffic. And all, all they do is complain. We got to get around some folks that got some whistle in their work. Right. We got to get around some people that can can be of an encouragement, the people that can push us a little bit. Verse 13. Verse 14, it says, if it is anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. James here draws a. a sharp parallel here because in verse 13 that word sick is translated as weak, infirmed, deficient in strength. 
So now the anointing of the elders was not only medicinal, but it also was a representation of the power and the presence of God being poured over them so that they can recover. And verse 15 says, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. That word sick again, but that's a different type of sick. That sick right there, it means tired by exertion, labored to weariness, and exhausted and discouraged. That's different. It sounds like he's talking about the people from verse one, from the first verse, right? The people that were being defrauded, the people that were being stolen from. It sounds like they would be discouraged, right? It sounds like they would be exhausted. It sounds like they would be tired by exertion because they're working all day and all night. They're, they're labored to weariness. Anybody know anybody like that? That seems prevalent today. Labored by weariness. You, you, you're, you're sick and you're tired. I'm going through the same stuff. I'm doing the same thing. When is my change going to come? But he, but he answers the question here. He said the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And who? The Lord will raise him up. The Lord will raise him up. But you know what? The Lord needs people to pray for these people that are, that are weary and tired and discouraged. Is that you? Are we, are we taking advantage of the opportunity to pray for people and, and, and believe with people? And trust God for people and know that he is able to raise them up, to lift them up, to save them from their current situation. And it says, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. What? What is happening there? If these people are so tired and so discouraged and, and all this stuff, it, what, what, what does that mean? Can anybody be honest and say that in seasons where you don't feel as close to God or, or you're, you're going through a lot of things and, and you feel that separation from the Lord, doesn't it seem easier to get into sin? Doesn't it seem easier to, 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 to be tempted? Doesn't it seem easier to, to go the wrong direction? That's what he's talking about. And he says that if he committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Glory to God. Therefore, verse 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So don't expect just because you pray for somebody, immediately it would happen. It's working. It's moving. It's doing something in the life of somebody else. So continue to pray. Continue to believe. Continue to trust. Because your prayer is working. It's a continual thing. It's a progressive thing. Yes, God can move. Yes, God can, can do things right away. But sometimes it takes a little while. As he's working and, and moving and, and, and removing some things and adding some things and, and just developing some things and strengthening some things. Continue to endure in prayer. Continue to remain in prayer because you can't, you might not be able to see what's being done, but something is being done. 
This is why we can whistle while we work. Glory to God. Glory to God. So you might be saying, Eric, how do you expect me to whistle while I work? You don't understand where I work. You don't understand what my family situation is. You don't, you don't understand what my finances look like or you don't understand what my health situation is. I may not, but God's word does. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 says this, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Richly. That doesn't mean let the word of God be like a microwave dinner. You throw it in the microwave, you hit the button, beep, it's ready. You take it out, but sometimes what happens, you stick your finger in the middle and it's what? Cold. Don't operate in a cold faith. Don't operate in an under, under, underdeveloped faith. Let your faith be as a crock pot. You put that meat in a crock pot. And you don't take it out right away. You let that thing simmer. You let that thing boil and bubble. You let all the flavors and the juices just absorb into that meat. And when it's ready to come out, man, that thing is falling off the bone because it's so good. And it's ready. It means that it's ready. Don't get out too soon. Don't, don't give up. Don't give in. Don't be a microwave. Put that, put that, put that faith in a smoker. Put that faith in a smoker. Oh. Oh. <laughs> put that faith in a smoker. Let it sit overnight. Let it sit for 12, 16 hours, 24 hours. And when that meat comes out, man, you're like, oh man, I don't want it to stop. You'd be mad when that, when that food is gone. Man. Endure. Stand strong. Don't get out that fire. Don't get out that trial. Just know that God is working on you. The whole time you're in there, God is working on you. The whole time you're in there, God is doing something. And that something is not just for you. That's for all the people that God has set out for you to influence. It's for all the people that will have an ear to hear what you have to say. It's for all the people that were ready to give up, but they didn't because they saw what God was able to do in your life. Let the word of God dwell in you richly for the benefit of others. Yes, and also to empower you to teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The word of God in song, the hymns, the, 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 the spiritual songs, the songs that come from heaven that just flow out of your mouth. And this will allow you to sing with gratitude in your heart to God for what he is doing in and through you. That is how you whistle while you work. You sing when you open your mouth. You have a heart of gratitude. A heart of thanksgiving. You know what God has done. You've seen what he's done. 
You're a living testimony. We whistle while we work. Yeah. What's so interesting about whistling while we work is the fact that we always need a reminder of what we have on the inside to keep us moving, keep us moving. And I think about a submarine. I think about a submarine versus a boat, versus a regular boat. Now that boat is designed to float on the water, right? Right, it's floating on the water. If it's, if it's under the water, then we know that there's a, there's a problem. There's just, just something, something is not right. I'm not, you know, I'm not an expert, but I know that we're supposed to be above the water. This is not happening, so let's get this right, okay? The difference between the boat and the submarine is the submarine was always designed to go underwater. The boat and the submarine have something in common and that they both have holes, right? They both have an outside that is meant to keep the water to keep the water outside, right? Right? But what's interesting about the submarine is the fact that it has two holes. It not only keeps the water on the outside, but it's also built to make sure that as it goes deeper in the water, as it goes into the depths that other things can't go into, that there's, there's so much pressure on the outside that that submarine needs a second hole made out of steel or titanium to keep the pressure on the outside from coming on the inside. So I want to remind you today that you have somebody on the inside of you that is able to keep the pressure from out there from getting in here so that you can continue to whistle while you work. I want, to under, I want you to understand that greater is he that's on the inside of you than he that's in the world. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't turn around because your harvest is already here. Your harvest is already here. The reward is right there. The finish line is right there. Don't give up. Don't give in. Because Jesus is able to get you on that finish line. He's able to see you to that goal. He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above what you can ask or think. And not just for you, but for your family, for your friends, for your community, for all those that need Jesus. Be a vessel, be a conduit in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multi-generational, multicultural community of believers passionately pursuing Jesus, family, freedom, and unity in the body of Christ. If you would like to connect with us, visit us at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.